0: Jesus Christ. He is among the most misunderstood entities ever in the course of all of history. The major issue with that is not simply just having your information down about a personality. It's that the knowledge and the understanding of Jesus Christ is the only thing that we truly, absolutely must get right. He's the only one, in the ultimate sense, that we really need. In the ultimate sense, I say. This Jesus is the one that has had more ink spilled over him, more books written about him, and more wrong things put into publication about him than any other person in the history of all of mankind. This man, Jesus Christ, is of course more than a mere man. That's the reason why knowing him is so important. Knowing the true Jesus Christ, knowing the truth about Jesus Christ, knowing him and not some false image, even if we call it Jesus. Having the false image is going to be wrong-headed and wrong-leading. Well, it's simpler than you may think. We're going to spend a little time explaining some of this. This is Well-Placed Faith. I'm Matt Burton, your host. With me today is Paul Trask. We will be coming back in just a moment uh, to have a dialogue about the one and only true and real Jesus Christ. This, again, is Well-Placed Faith, and today we're going to be talking over uh, the issues surrounding Paul Trask's ministry, uh, Well-Refiner's Fire. I was going to give you credit for Well-Placed Faith, my friend. But again, this is Well-Placed Faith, uh, a show about life, liberty, and the pursuit of Jesus. Stick with us.
1: Crucified.
0: This is Matt Burton, and uh, the radio program is Well-Placed Faith. Today with me I have Paul Trask. He is not only the uh, the master over, in some sense, Refiners Fire, his ministry, he is also my friend. I can say that without any uh, issue at, at all. The man has been a very good friend to me. He and his wife have been very good friends to our family. Uh, we've been the benefactors indeed at being able to uh, just simply know these folks, good, decent individuals, uh, uh, I can assure you. Paul has uh, a servant's heart. He has the desire to bless. He has um, uh, a real desire to exalt the one true Jesus Christ. And I find that uh, to be most refreshing. He's, he's a genuine individual. I, I give him the highest of regards. Uh, and now, if you're willing to trust what I have to say, then, then I, I would uh, say, please listen to this man. Listen uh, earnestly, uh, because the things that he is going to say are well thought through. Uh, he's a very intelligent man, having uh, very deliberately put together his thinking. Uh, very little that is just merely off the cuff. Uh, so if you want to hear some very well-reasoned through, Uh, Good, wholesome thinking. Please stay with us as we talk about Jesus Christ, as we talk about refiner's fire, as we talk about salvation, as we talk about the difference between the truth and uh, a caricature. Well, having said all that, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time simply plumping Paul himself. Let me say that the qualification that really lands him in the seat here today is that the man has the Holy Spirit. I want to give credit to uh, the Holy Spirit for taking a hold of this man and transforming him. I did not know him before Christ got a hold of him, but I know him now, and I can say that Christ has done some pretty marvelous things. Uh, I, I say all of this not only because he is my friend, but because uh, he has impressed me with his scholarship and with his genuine love for the Bible and, and for Jesus Christ. So, my friend. You have this ministry, it's called Refiner's Fire, and for the next 50 minutes at least, I want for you to answer the question, why are you doing this? Why do you have this ministry, Refiner's Fire? And that's going to be the major channel of direction that we're going to go. But to begin with, I think that it would be appropriate for you to tell us what in Christian circles is kicked around called the Testimony. My friend, how is it that you came to know Jesus Christ? What is it that he saved you from? What is it that he is saving you to? And I'm just going to simply hand the microphone over to you, and I'd like for you to go ahead and talk to us.
1: Well, Matt, thank you so much, and thank you so much for that warm introduction. Uh, I wish I were truly worthy of all of that, and, and please know that you and your family are very special in our hearts and minds as well, and uh We hold you and your family and your ministry up into into prayer daily. So thank you very much for that introduction, and thank you for having me on your show today and having a chance to talk about our ministry and the the things that we do. Um, People uh, often ask me, why are we uh, doing this? And of course, what is it that we're doing? Refiners Fire Ministries... Um, has a website uh, where I make available uh, the materials that I have written, uh, the materials that uh, I have edited and published for others, and a variety of, a variety of materials. That website is uh, www.help, uh, H-E-L-P, the numeral 4, and then R-L-D-S uh, dot com. Once again, that's help, 4, numeral 4, R-L-D-S dot com. What we're doing, uh, Matt, in our ministry is we are making credible information available not only to Latter-day Saints, but to concerned Christians and pastors like yourself as well, to help them really understand uh, the Latter-day Saint movement and how it differs from genuine biblical Christianity. Um, I originally uh, got involved in this ministry kicking and screaming, I might add. I I didn't really uh, take up this ministry willingly. Uh, We left the RLDS Church, uh, my family and I, a number of years ago. And at that point, it was a painful experience, and we just really wanted to get that behind us and move on with our lives. Uh, About a year and a half after we left, I enrolled in seminary. In Pasadena, California, at Fuller Theological Seminary, and uh, during the course of my studies there, we made a number of friends. One of these uh, good friends of ours recommended that I actually come back to Independence here and start a ministry to Latter-day Saints, and and I almost laughed out loud, (coughs) uh, believing that this was not a good idea. Uh, It's not something. This is not why I left the church. This is not certainly not why I had gone to seminary. Uh, And so I kind of shined on his recommendation. But in process of time, uh, the Lord did in fact reveal his will to me, that he wanted me initially uh, to return to this area, uh, which we did uh, a number of years ago. And then uh, the the big decision initially was to write a book. Um, During my private time in Pasadena, California, I had come across a passage in Hebrews, Uh, which talked about the Levitical priesthood and of course during during my seminary time I didn't have much time uh, to think about Joseph Smith or or the material that I left behind which I had once so loved. Uh, The studies in seminary were so intense that it kind of squeezed all of those thoughts uh, pretty much out of my mind. I put all that stuff in a box, put it in the closet, really didn't look at it for three years uh, while I was in seminary. And so during my private time reading through Hebrews uh, about the Levitical priesthood, um, it really stimulated a lot of thoughts and feelings that I'd been having um, about the RLDS, about the the priesthood of Joseph Smith, which is really common to pretty much all of Latter-day Saintism. And so that was really the genesis of a book. Uh, When we returned to to Independence uh, sometime later that year, um, I knew that writing a book was a really major undertaking, and I certainly didn't want to, want to uh, devote my life to that, to take time away from earning money and, and uh, so forth, to, to write such a, a book like that without some confirmation. And so my wife and mm-hmm. I one morning prayed uh, that the Lord would give us some indication uh, that he wanted a, a book like this written. And then we went about our day. So I was late, later that same day. I was in a Christian bookstore uh, looking for a birthday card, and uh, of course I'm always looking, uh, a- a- as you do, Matt, uh, always looking carefully at this Christian bookstore, poring over the shelves. <laughs> and and I walked over to the apologetics area, and there I found many books about uh, Utah Mormonism, but nothing that was unique to the RLDS Church uh, here in this region. Yeah. And so I was lamenting that fact in my mind, and then one of the store clerks came over and started talking to me. And I told her, you know, we we got talking about the RLDS Church, and she um, and her family were Baptists, and uh, her young son had met a Latter-day Saint in the region and started attending church with this Latter-day Saint and came back and said to his mother, Mom, there's really not that much difference, and so he went ahead and married this gal, and then joined the RLDS Church. And she was pretty much beside herself that her son would do this. Of course, she knew better. Uh, she knew better than her son, um, and so she was telling me that we that the region really did need something that was unique, you know, to the RLDS Church. And so later that day, my wife and I uh, compared notes on the day, and we decided that the experience that I'd had with this lady was really the confirmation that we were looking for. When I went into that bookstore, I didn't have any intention of of striking up that kind of a conversation. And so I dedicated myself for the next year uh, to writing my first book, which is called Partway to Utah. Uh, wherein I uh, survey and biblically analyze the second largest branch of Mormonism, the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Of course, the main trunk of that church uh, renamed themselves Community of Christ in 2001 Mm -hmm. uh, in in a rather uh, confusing, perhaps deceptive way. Uh, And then the church in 1984 began splitting over fundamentalist issues, and so you've got a variety of restoration branch, remnant branch uh, organizations throughout the region Mm -hmm. and and throughout the country, actually, which broke away from the main trunk of that church. So in 1997, I published uh, this book, Part Way to Utah, The Forgotten Mormons. Um, I didn't print very many at first. I had limited resources, so I only printed, oh, I think maybe 100 or so or maybe 250 I can't remember what it was it was a relatively small number and to my uh, surprise and and delight actually most of those were spoken for by the time I actually took delivery of the books and so with the help of a former RLDS member uh, who lived north of the river in Cameron I was able to produce a thousand books and he agreed that he would merely take his compensation from the book sales and so I dedicated all of the sales of uh, those books to him until I had paid off the printing bill for, you know, for getting them, pub- you know, for getting them printed up. And then uh, I received an offer to return to the Los Angeles area to be CFO for a Christian ministry in, in, um, in Los Angeles. So in 1997, I published the book. We returned to Southern California. And uh, over time, I became impressed um, that the Lord wanted a website you know, the web was really beginning to, to take over in the late 90s. And um, in the early 2000, I felt that the ministry really ought to have a website. Now, in the meantime, I'm beginning to get some letters from people saying that they would got a hold of my book and that it had answered many of their questions um, and uh, had set them free, actually, from Joseph Smith. At the same time, um, my wife's sister... Uh, who was staunchly RLDS, uh, got a hold of my book as well. Now, we had been very good friends with uh, my wife's sister and her husband for a number of years. And uh, my brother-in-law was very interested in my book, but didn't dare take it into the house. It was so uh, inflammatory to their relationship, he didn't dare take it into their house. And so he began reviewing and kind of helping me edit uh, the final version of my book from his office. Well, not long after we got to Los Angeles, um, Leslie got a call from her sister one day. And she said, you know, I think I'm ready to read Paul's book. And boy, we celebrated. We kind of celebrated and danced around our apartment, um, you know, happy that uh, that. This uh, sister was finally going to read this. A few months later, uh, Leslie got another call from this sister saying, you know, I read Paul's book, and I like it. And so her and her husband and their family uh, migrated out of the RODS church after having read my book. Of course, all of this is quite encouraging to me. So in early 2000, I had uh, surveyed the marketplace for some some software to author a website. The... But I delayed doing it for about a year. I I do financial consulting. I was doing financial consulting during that period of time. And in early 2001, I had some downtime. And the the Lord, this doesn't happen to me very often, but the Lord in the middle of the night woke me up. Uh, This was in January of 2001. And he really impressed upon me. The need to get the website going, so the very next day I got up and i i went i knew I knew what kind of software I wanted. I went out and I bought the software I spent several days at home going through the tutorials and learning how to create a website and uh, slowly I began putting my website together and then launched it um, either late January or early February of two thousand and one, and the ministry was off and running and uh It's been, you know, we've had constant high web traffic uh, for the entire period that the website has been up. And so this is how I got involved in it. Initially, I just thought I would write a book, and that would kind of be the end of it. But once I launched launched the website and people began responding to the website, writing to me, I would write back. All of a sudden, I've got a living ministry going on here, all of which I really never quite intended to do. Just one thing kind of led to another, first the book and then the website, and then what do you know, know, I've got this ministry. And what Hmm. keeps me going in it, Matt, is that the Lord is bearing fruit through it. Yeah. Uh, and if the Lord is, is bearing fruit through what I have done, how can I say no? Nice. I keep going with it because of the encouragement that I get. Uh, one, of the, uh, th- one of the things that I found most encouraging is a few years ago, after having moved back to uh, this region, uh, we had a picnic, actually, for former RLDS people. We had well over 100 people in attendance. And there were some other uh, ministers there who had never been connected with the Latter-day Saint movement. And, sure. and to kind of make a point to them, I asked for a show of hands. I, I said, how many of you here used to belong to the RLDS Church or some variant thereof? And predictably, nearly every hand went up. Uh, there were some visitors there of so, and so forth, but you know, probably 95% of the room, their hands went up. And so as soon as their hands went down, I asked them a second question, Matt. I said, now, those of you that just raised your hand, how many of you never understood the gospel until you left the RLDS church? And as far as I could tell, the same identical hands went right back up into the air. Now, that tells you something. That tells you that the gospel that's in the Bible, about the true Jesus, is really not promoted or understood well, if at all, within Latter-day Saint ranks. And that's what keeps me with this. And so I make, a, I make information available on my website, in my writings, uh, in my, the books that I've written, and the other materials that we make available. We want, we want to make the real Jesus known, and at the same yeah, time, we yeah. want to debunk the Jesus of Joseph Smith. Yes. Uh,
0: remarkable. Thank you for that... That lead-up, that, uh, I really am tempted to just kind of let you go and tell your story here. Uh, my friends, please remember that well-placed faith takes the position of the historically orthodox Christianity, uh, that, that we hold to uh, these historically orthodox truths as given from uh, the Bible, we are not naming for ourselves a particular denomination, uh, just noting that there is a, uh, a, a foundation of Christ and his word and the rescue that comes through it. Paul has experienced that, and so he is able to speak not only from a wealth of uh, knowledge and information, uh, not just simply having an opinion, informed by uh, reading some things, but experience has been a marvelous teacher uh, for Paul, having come out of the RLDS church and now claiming... Uh, what I will call just simply uh, the you know no denomination being named, simply a historical Orthodox Christianity, uh, naming Jesus as as his Lord. What we're doing here with this radio program now is uh, reaching out to RLDS listeners and those who may know uh, have friends or family who are still in um, the the RLDS uh, group, uh, not just simply the uh, one main branch, community of Christ or anything or or any of those that have restoration or but um, uh, across the whole LDS spectrum, we are reaching out our hand, and I would hope that the listener would not um, allow themselves the the privilege of taking offense but would rather uh, be so noble as to simply humble themselves and listen and, and hear from your experiences uh, the information that you have mined, uh, all of the uh, the various things that you can bring to the table. Questioners, those of you who are questioning your uh, RLDS faith or even questioning your faith period, uh, please you're not alone you can save yourself perhaps some trouble by standing on Paul's shoulders. Uh, he has had to come uh, the long way home and it would be of real and tremendous benefit to not try to reinvent the wheel or anything, but be able to stand on Paul's shoulders and, and maybe make good on some of his already paid pain. Uh, l- let me uh, ask a few questions about your ministry And some of the confusions uh, between um, historical, orthodox Christianity and then uh, Latter-day Saintism in in the broad scheme of things, I have heard uh, from even from ministers, uh, but they claim Jesus Christ. They say they believe in Jesus Christ. Well, what is, what is one to do uh, with that, uh, uh, whether it be a rebuttal or just simply a straightforward, uh, confused point? Hey, you know, as far as I understand it, they claim Jesus Christ for themselves. What are we to do with, with that? So uh, I'm sure that you have met this before and, and have uh, um, some
1: answers for us. But they say Jesus, Paul. What do we do with that? Well, Matt, I think that's an excellent question, <clears throat> and uh, when I speak around, you know, at colleges, seminaries, churches, uh, I get that question put to me frequently, and what's really, what really seems to be driving the question on the part of Christians is, should I really be concerned about this? You know, if salvation is merely a matter of accepting and believing in Jesus— uh, then are they okay? Because when you talk to them, they say, "Well, I believe in Jesus. So why should I trouble myself? Why should I bother them? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they may have some things that are a little bit different than ours, but but why should I trouble them since they believe in Jesus?" And so mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a really, and of course, they use that. You know, Latter-day Saints are are uh, quick to use that as a defense. They want to be accepted. As genuine Christians, uh, and, and they don't like the fact that they have been excluded from certain activities or from the pale of orthodoxy, right. uh, and, and so uh, it, it's kind of a trump card. I believe in Jesus, so that should that should end, you know, the debate. That that should end the controversy. We're just all Christians together, and so uh, that that's really uh, a lot of what seems to be driving the question. And so um, what I do, and this really, uh, I'd like to just springboard off off your wonderful introduction to the show earlier today that I was listening very carefully to. Um, the Apostle Paul says in the opening uh, portion of the book of Romans, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God to the salvation of all those who believe. The apostles, in fact, were in high demand uh, during the first century because they they could be relied upon for the accurate, straight scoop about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, there were many competing uh, fictions floating around in the first century. Yeah. N- you know, Gnosticism was full of all kinds of competing heresies, which were based on on a misappropriation of the person of Jesus. They were based on fairy tales, based based upon fictional accounts of what he did, who he was, how he operated in the world. In fact, there are portions of the New Testament which are spent combating these Gnostic heresies, which claimed Jesus as well. And so the overall story of the New Testament is, and and especially if you read the book of Galatians, is that the gospel has the power to save only when it's portrayed accurately. And and this is why the apostles were in such high demand, because they had spent time with Jesus. They had sat under his teaching. They knew who he was. They knew his teachings. The Holy Spirit had brought to their memory, uh, as Jesus had promised, the things that he said and did, so that they could portray Jesus in completeness and in accuracy. Yes, yes. Now... Uh, enter Joseph Smith. Uh, when I go around to uh, churches, uh, I frequently will take a well known person, often the pastor, and I'll bring this person down front and I will make up an outlandish story about who this person is. Uh, you know, and oftentimes I say they went to MIT or Caltech and they have some degree in astrophysics and they've worked on the space shuttle and they published all kinds of scientific writing. I, I make up an outlandish story about someone that they know well yeah. Um, and then of course people know that I'm doing this because they know the person and so what I tell them afterwards is look, you, you, you know Charlie you, you know that what I've just told you is complete nonsense now, however if you did not know Charlie right, and if you were relying on me yeah. to introduce him to you you would be relating to Charlie Not in truth, not based on who he really is, but you would be engaging with my caricature. You would be uh, engaging with my make-believe, made-up, cockamamie story about who Charlie was. And so if you relied on me to introduce and and tee up Charlie for you, and you began engaging with him based on my story, you would not be really engaging with the, the real Charlie. You would rather be engaging with my caricature of him, which was complete nonsense. And this is what Joseph Smith did with Jesus Christ. And so when the Latter-day Saints claim that they believe in Jesus, they're telling the truth. But what they believe in is a Jesus. They believe in the Jesus of Joseph Smith's creating. They believe things about Joseph Smith. Of course, they believe they're true. You know, because, sure, they, because right. they believe Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith uh, introduced and, and put words in Jesus' mouth, put deeds uh, attributed to Jesus, which are simply fairy tales and which have no basis in reality. And so when Latter-day Saints uh, engage in their faith, when they, when they have placed their faith in Jesus, it's not the real Jesus of the Bible. It's the Bible, it, it's the Jesus of Joseph Smith's creating. And that gets them in trouble. As evidenced by the picnic that I was telling you about, Mm -hmm. where over 100 people in attendance never understood the gospel of Christ until they left the RLDS Church. That's because the gospel of Christ is not accurately or fairly presented in Latter-day Saint circles. Rather, you have the caricature of Jesus Christ as portrayed in the Book of Mormon, as portrayed in the Doctrine and Covenants, and portrayed in the sermons and the writings of Joseph Smith. And it's a different Jesus. Paul warns us about a different Jesus, and a different Jesus generates a different gospel, which the Apostle Paul says is no gospel at all. Remember, if you pervert or distort the gospel, It loses its power to save.
0: Let me ask, uh, time is clipping past us. I absolutely agree with you, and I hope that people can hear not only the emotion that is in your voice, not only the uh, awareness, the, the knowledge, the information that you have combed over, uh, but also the experience that you are speaking from. This is not as though you were simply coming to this as a research rat. Yes, you are a research rat, but you are not merely a research rat. This is a man who has lived through the, the oh, the, the storm of having to go into and back out of uh, and into the historical Orthodox Christianity please hear this man and, and appreciate the journey uh, that he has gone through. Let me ask you a couple more questions uh, with the, unfortunately, the limited amount of time. I can tell already we are going to have you on in the future and I'm going to give you more opportunities to bless us with the things that you know. Um, a, how do you know that you're not wrong?
1: Uh, Matt, I think that's an excellent question uh, as well, <clears throat> I asked it like a Canadian would. Hey, hey, <laughs> how do you know you're not wrong? Yeah, of course. There, hey, and, and for many people, it boils down to personalities uh, that they they say that they see me or people like me saying I'm right and you're wrong, uh, which is really not what is going on here at all. Um, I, I'm not saying I'm right. Uh, what I'm saying is is that the Bible and the real Jesus are right. Bless you. A- and, I, and I'm not saying that Latter-day Saints are wrong. I'm merely saying that the system that they have embraced is defective, which is generating a problem with their faith relationship with God. That's pretty big, pretty serious stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's important, Matt, for our listeners to, today to know that, that I once loved uh, the Latter-day Saint movement. I loved the RLDS Church. I gave my life over to it. I was an elder in the church uh, and a priesthood member for 15 years. Uh, I was a pastor of the San Francisco uh, you know, congregation of the RLDS Church. Uh, not long after I was not pastor in Northern California, I was made the counselor to the bishop for the entire northern region of California, the San Francisco Bay Stake. Uh, When we returned uh, to Independence, I became uh, pastor of uh, restoration branch, actually one of the breakaway movements uh, Mm -hmm. during the fallout of the 1984 debacle, uh, which was the largest, uh, at that point in time, uh, it was the largest uh, restoration branch in the region. being an RLDS elder was my primary identity. Now, I had a business career. I'd been active in financial management. I'm a CPA and, and have been active in my profession you know, all the way through. But my primary identity was that of an RLDS elder. I loved the RLDS church. I loved its scriptures. I taught and preached and promoted all the things now which I know are wrong. And so leaving uh, the RLDS Church was um, nearly the most difficult thing that I've ever done in life and that my wife and I have ever done in life. It was, it was incredibly painful. It was incredibly confusing. It was incredibly disorienting. Having been in this ministry now for a goodly number of years, I know that what we experienced is fairly normal. Uh, of course, when people go through this, They don't realize that others have gone through it uh, before them, uh, that others are likely going through it at the same time. When you go through this yourself, you feel like you're the only person in all of uh, creation who has ever experienced that kind of pain. That led me to write my second book called The Long Way Home, where I desire to come alongside people who are discovering that their cult is wrong, and I walk with them side by side, hand in hand, every step of the way, until they are solidly placed in genuine Christianity. It's a very bumpy road. And a lot like
0: being kicked in the guts.
1: Uh, At least. You know, um, religion, um, church, theology, um, faith uh, is critical to the human experience. And the way we, re- we relate to God is supreme. Uh, God created us uh, to be in relationship with himself. And so that relationship is, um, is central to life. So uh, we had learned, uh, our family, me, uh, had learned to relate to God through the lens of the RLDS Church through the lens of its scriptures, through the lens of its priesthood, through the lens of all the church stood for. That, that lens had created my understanding of who God was and who I was before him. Once I took that lens and crushed it under my feet, it was awfully difficult to know how to relate to God. I, I, because the, the, the instrumentality, the channel through which I had related to God I had discovered was was defective, um, and so we had to busily go about you know reconstructing a more accurate understanding of who god was it was It was a very destabilizing uh period during you know our in our spiritual life until we got solidly grounded in christianity and and that's what really scares a lot of people away from this is um is the uncertainty of moving forward without this faith, you know, being being you know put upon to put together another faith system? What's right? What's wrong? Uh, we have counseled people for 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 you know fifteen years on on how to go about doing this. All kinds of questions come to mind. All kinds of problems surface. It puts strain on marriages and on families. It's uh, it, it's difficult. Plus, you end up you know being uh, dis you know um,
0: disenfranchised
1: disenfranchised you end up being shunned by the people that you're leaving behind this was the case when when we left when we left the RLDS church Uh, the RLDS church had been our our church had been our source of friends had been our source of you know contacts with society we didn't really make friends with people outside the RLDS church so when we decided to leave you know it was like starting life all over again But I'm skating around the question that you asked, uh, Matt. I wanted to give, I wanted to give a little bit of background about about who we had been in the RLDS Church. We were not casual attenders, not somebody, not people that dropped in two or three times a year.
0: And your lovely wife as well. And I repeat, she is a lovely, lovely woman. She was ensconced in all things RLDS.
1: She was actually, Matt, uh, a sixth-generation Latter-day Saint. Part of her identity, to be sure. Oh, It, it was it was an indelible part of her identity. Uh, both sides of her family, both on her mother's side and father's side, went back six generations, uh, right back to the Joseph Smith era itself. In fact, uh, during the 1838 Mormon War, right here in Missouri, uh, there was a massacre of Latter-day Saints uh at a little place called Hans Mill, uh, north of the river here, and one of Le- Leslie's ancestors was killed uh, during uh, that warfare. And so she had a lot uh, she, you know, she had a lot of uh, heritage, a lot of family history, a lot of identity uh, wrapped up in the R.O.D.S. Church. Uh, I, on the other hand, uh, joined her church uh, once we got married. Mm -hmm. which is kind of a story of itself. I had had not been Latter-day Saint prior to meeting Leslie. We met just as I was graduating from high school. And uh, as we began to get serious, we went back and forth to each other's churches. And uh, my parents became rightfully concerned uh, when they saw that I was getting serious with a Latter-day Saint. And so they knew enough to alert our, our pastor to the problem. And they asked if I would be willing to talk with our pastor about this Latter-day Saint involvement, which I was happy to do. I loved uh, my pastor. Uh, it was a small Baptist church uh, in Oxford, Michigan. And so I went in to talk with uh, my pastor. Uh, and as much as I love the man, um, he let me down at a very critical point in life. Um, during our time together, he didn't really end up having anything substantive to say about latter-day saintism about the only thing he said about it was you don't you don't want to and i can remember these words like it was yesterday you don't want to join that church it's a cult now i I grew up in rural michigan and uh the word cult uh, was not yet in my vocabulary i remember having to go home and look it up in the dictionary uh and when i read it when i read the dictionary definition it sounded very innocuous uh, extreme devotion to a person or idea. And I thought, and that's supposed to be dangerous? I thought by that definition, Christianity itself. You know, uh, extreme devotion to a person or idea. Well, that's Christianity, right? Extreme devotion to the person and the idea of Christ. And so I thought to myself, well, if that's if that's the worst thing that he can say about it, it must not be too bad. Uh, now, uh, keep in mind, Matt, now you can appreciate this as a pastor yourself. He did not uh, give me a book to read. He did not offer to study with me. Uh, he did not uh, put me in touch with other people more knowledgeable than himself. Um, that wh- makes me want to weep. Well, really,
0: that—that is a—that is a. That is a uh, I, I don't want to bash this poor man, but that is a miscarriage of his office.
1: I feel the same way, and so that's why I have a special place in my heart for pastors, Matt, like yourself, and, and, and God bless you uh, for taking this matter seriously, endeavoring to learn about it, and endeavoring to help set people free from it, and and to also help people from becoming entangled in it. You asked, why why are we doing this? Yeah. Um yeah. You know, this is you know what I operate is is often called an apologetics ministry, uh, which means that we give reasons, and it's offensive in, in that we want to take the message of Christ offensively into Latter Day Saint circles and spread the real knowledge of Christ as well as the the fallacies and heresy of Joseph Smith, but it's also defensive. In that we keep people, we actively keep people from joining Latter day Saint movements. Uh, One of the more popular calls and requests that I have gotten in recent years are from parents, like my parents, who have children who are dating Latter day Saints and are getting serious. Um, I taught a class for a number of years at a large church in this area. And. A family that we had known for years, uh, a young man who was away at college um, who had struck up a a very intense, serious relationship with a a Latter-day Saint girl here in the area. And the parents uh, were solid Christians and very concerned about their, their young man. And so they came to my class one day. Interestingly, the the, the Lord brought another young couple that I had no idea they were going to be in my class that day, but another young couple that was a mixed relationship as well, where the young lady was RLDS, and the young man was a restorationist. Well, and so, you know, when I was teaching this class, I learned that you can never tell what's going to happen. So I had all kinds of material prepared that day, and then all of a sudden these these two families appear, um, and I had to kind of change up the entire thrust of, of the lesson. To make a long story short, um, the young couple where the girl was RLDS and the young man was, excuse me, where the, where the young girl was a Christian and the young man was a restorationist, he ended up leaving the restoration movement, marrying the young gal, and they're both involved in a Christian church now. So that there's a success story. But the other one is just as successful because the young man ended up cutting off his relationship with this RLDS girl. It it kind of breaks your heart on one hand to interfere or intercept love. But as I told that young man, when you get involved in a mixed marriage like this... You know, as long as you've got the ro- rose-colored glasses on early in life and you end up getting married, you put religion on the back burner, but when children come along later in life, all of a sudden, you gravitate back to the church that you were raised in, and it, and it inevitably causes problems. Uh, those uh, in our listening audience today... Uh, will acknowledge that this is true. You, you know, many Latter-day Saints live in mixed marriages. It creates tension. Some couples stop going to church altogether because they don't want to live in the tension of: Do we go to your church? Do we go to my church? I don't believe in your church. I think it's wrong. And so, it becomes such a controversial issue that they stop going to church altogether. Um, and and it creates problems. And so, it, it's if it, unless a couple are are willing to address the issue head-on about their religion before getting married, they probably ought not be getting married because they're setting a time bomb that's going to eventually erupt and explode and and not end well later in life. It's going to create problems later in life that are just really better avoided on the front end. And so this ministry is defensive as well as offensive. We want to really stop people from making the, the, the devastating decisions to either join the movement or marry into it, which will uh, bear uh, unhappy fruit later in life. I want to
0: I want to agree with everything that you just said, and I would love to mine that out much, much further. Let me interrupt you to hold your feet to the fire. Can you, in a uh, hundred words or less, maybe, give us the distilled, uh, how do you know that you're not wrong? <laughs> and then... I want, uh, there are so many questions that I have, but I want to uh, let you have an opportunity to uh, speak to uh, the people. But uh, again, help us to know, uh, in case that escaped past some of our listeners, how do you know, again, that, that you now are embracing the truth, Nobody likes being lied to. It is destructive. How do you know that uh, uh, you were being lied to and now have the truth, and how is it that you can be sure that you are now sharing uh, the truth?
1: Well, I think that's a very well put question, uh, Matt, and and I'm happy to, to respond to that. Um, <clears throat> again, this is not a matter of personalities. It's, a, it's not a matter of I'm right and somebody else is wrong. Right. This is a matter of, of, factual, uh, of factual evidence. I am accustomed to saying that Latter-day Saintism, Joseph Smith, is only wrong because the Bible is right. Okay, the Bible uh, is the most thoroughly attested book yeah, in yeah. human history. There are over 5,000 uh, manuscripts of the New Testament floating around. Uh, in antiquity, some go back to a very early date, <clears throat> and they're in remark. You know, all of these manuscripts are in remarkable agreement. The Dead Sea Scrolls, yes. wh- which would really be the subject for an entire show. Yes, you th- exactly right. Th- the Dead Sea Scrolls, which predate even Christ, uh, verify the authenticity and reliability, the accuracy of the Old Testament. Uh, contrary to what Joseph Smith said. So we could actually take a... In fact, I have a newsletter. I have two newsletters, Matt, on my website, which address these issues. One regards the Dead Sea Scrolls, and and if you had no other information available to you other than the Dead Sea Scrolls, the the existence and the content of the Dead Sea Scrolls completely debunks virtually everything that Joseph Smith did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Statements that he claimed in the Doctrine and Covenants, the Book of Mormon, are proven false. Um, and his inspired version, which was a result thereof, is proven false yeah. by the Dead Sea Scrolls. I have a newsletter on my website as well entitled, the very thing that we've been talking about, but they believe in Jesus, don't they? And I proceed to unpack uh, the, the Jesus of Joseph Smith. And so why am I right and why, is, is, why am I now right and I had been wrong before? because I have aligned myself with the Bible. I have dedicated myself as you have, Matt, to to poring over the Bible, understanding the Bible and understanding the central person of the Bible, who is Jesus Christ. And just like when uh currency examiners are examining counterfeit money or learning to examine counterfeit money, <clears throat> uh they they don't show these people counterfeit money to begin with. They show them the genuine article. Right. Because there are certain irreproducible earmarks of genuine currency that can't be replicated. And so if you really get the genuine earmarks of genuine currency figured out uh, and identified, and you learn how to do that, when the counterfeit appears, you can spot it right off. Because it lacks the earmarks of authenticity. The same thing is true with scripture and with the gospel. Uh, if we get a lock on the real Bible, which we've already demonstrated is, in fact, historically um, and textually reliable, and the person whom it depicts is, therefore, equally reliable, we then have a benchmark to evaluate the work of Joseph Smith, and, and he has pro- you know, his work is proven to be false thereby.
0: Yeah, so you are not stating for yourself that... Paul is, in some sense, superior to anybody else who disagrees with Paul. That is Paul Trask. You're saying, let's all humbly, simply look for the truth of the Bible, and let's get square with the true plumb line.
1: That that's absolutely right, Matt. <clears throat> and those who have sat in my classes over the years know that I frequently say. Uh, I don't want anyone here to believe what I'm saying merely because I've said it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want the responsibility for that, and I am not infallible. I don't want you to believe what I'm saying. I want you to go to the scriptures that I'm pointing out and put yeah. them together for yourself. If I've been helpful at pointing out scriptures and understandings to you, great. But you need to make them yours yeah. by going into the Bible yourself, doing the hard work, and if I can point you to scriptures and, and help explain what they're about, great. But, but you shouldn't be believing this. You shouldn't be following me. I don't want, I don't want a following. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want people hanging on what I say. I want them anchored solidly in the Bible. That's the only thing that's trustworthy. The Bible and the central person whom it depicts, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Yes,
0: absolutely, absolutely and you had some words that you uh... wanted to share with us here in these closing minutes uh... i would like to uh... give you the opportunity to simply take the mic and speak to us and let us know about uh... the, the, the truth that set you free the gospel of jesus christ
1: <laughs> well, to to christians i would urge um, an interest in this area we live in a region which is full of Latter-day Saints. Yep. Uh, many Christian churches pride themselves and have wall full of pictures of missionaries that are willing to send to foreign countries to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and to dispel uh, error uh, abroad. Uh, this is a mission field that is on our doorstep. Uh, our friends and neighbors, workmates, our uh, Latter-day Saints. I would encourage you to learn a little bit about this if you don't feel like there's a difference uh i would suggest that you've got some some tall learning to do i've done much of that heavy lifts, lifting for you yes. go go yes. to my website read my books and and you can find out um to latter-day saints i would suggest really to rlds people your own prophet joseph smith the third one said the truth does not suffer under scrutiny And so I would suggest uh, get some of these materials, research them for yourself, and come to the knowledge of the real living Jesus Christ of the Bible.
0: Looking at that, not the counterfeit, but the genuine article. The
1: genuine article.
0: And from there, being able to know the counterfeit from it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, All right. So uh, Jesus has uh, come and has given us the way to salvation. The problem that we have in this uh, dialogue, in in very short order, please, because the time is, is going by quickly. We're going to have to have. We require at least a second show. There is a problem in dialogue because there is much of the use of the same vocabulary, but we have a different dictionary. We use the same words. We will say grace. We will say salvation we will say redemption, we will say Jesus, and each of these words has been uh, changed to mean something slightly different so that that caricature that you talked about earlier becomes a rather complete caricature. Can you give us the the straight dope on Jesus and the gospel and and, uh, the way to uh, genuine salvation?
1: In Latter day Saint circles, you must, uh, in order to have salvation in a Latter day Saint church, you must accept Joseph Smith and his writings and be baptized and confirmed by one they claim having authority, uh, who is a member of their priesthood system, which they believe was restored to earth. Um, and then you have to adopt the, the theology, you know, the underlying theology of, of Zion and, and uh, the restored church. That, that's taught in Latter-day Saint circles. Uh, we don't have enough time to really open the hood on much right, of that right. during the time we have left. But you, you must really adopt the whole package. Latter-day Saintism was birthed believing that all of Christianity was um, apostate. And so Joseph Smith really claimed to be restoring to Christianity, true Christianity, to the earth once again. Mm-hmm. Latter-day Saints still uh, believe this. They believe that they are the only true church on the face of the earth, and they are the only ones that have authority, and that it's you and I that need their gospel message. It's you and I that need to come under Joseph Smith, come under his priesthood authority, and come under uh, his, you know, his, his uh, authority structure in the church, including all the scriptures and theology that make that up.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's no need for any of that. The, the gift of salvation has simply been given. Jesus Christ has taken our sins and paid the price for those things and has ultimately satisfied uh, all of the wrath and all of the, the due justice of uh, God on his cross. Having died, he, he paid the price for us to redeem us and rising from the dead he then justifies there is a legal decision that is exacted uh, when he rose from the dead and now Jesus is in uh, the throne room of God on the throne itself and he is prepared to make intercession for us Call out to Jesus. If you are beginning to have questions, please call us. But the truth is you need to call out to Jesus Christ and, and ask him to rescue you and to save you. If you have questions because you're beginning to uh, question uh, RLDS or, or any other uh, uh, branch, please go to Paul's website. Paul, give us your website again, please.
1: Matt, it's a www.help, H-E-L-P, the numeral four. And then rlds.com, help, numeral four, rlds.com. Very good.
0: I want to just say, please, even if you are orthodox in your understanding, go to this website, be filled, drink from the fountain there, wonderful wealth of information and knowledge. And folks, I, uh, the word money is sometimes considered a dirty word. I don't want this to somehow come across wrongly. I have no problem with asking for money for a good cause and a good reason this is matt speaking not paul he hasn't uh, prompted this please go to the website there's a way of donating to the website to uh refiner's fire please your money is um a, a welcome tool uh for use in the ministry please feel free to donate come to know christ in a fuller richer deeper way by way of the use of this ministry, Help for RLDS with Paul Trask. Thank you very much. God bless you.